Well, guys, I want to thank you for tuning in to the Youth and Culture podcast, where youth ministry and culture collide. I'm your host, Ryan Sebastian, and I'm joined with my co-host, David Pinkham. And I have once again failed at trying to make Ryan laugh while he reads that. (laughs) 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 Oh, gracious. Dude, it's good to be back, man. We took a couple couple week hiatus. Uh, What were you up to? In addition well, to full-time ministry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so one of the reasons why we took I-80 is because I had something going on for a week, and then you had something going on mm-hmm. uh, the following week. And uh, what I was doing was something that's been on my bucket list uh, for a very long time. Since you are a wee lad. <laughs> Since I was a wee lad. And uh, something, I, I, to be honest with you, I never thought I would be able to do. Mm-hmm. I must be honest with you. And that is, is that I spent... Uh, four days uh, going to uh, this year's 2023 World's Strongest Man. Uh, and it's something I watched on TV when I was a kid, uh, fell in love with uh, Strongman then. And that's also one of the reasons, one of many reasons why I got into weight training uh, was because of that. Uh, just seeing guys lift heavy, ridiculously heavy stuff, <laughs> moving it. Um, deadlifting, anyway, just, just crazy stuff and, and got into it and literally because of, cause I, I grew up as a kid, didn't have cable, mm-hmm. didn't have cable, cable. And just my parents decided not to do that. And hindsight, I'm thankful yeah, uh, for that. But, uh, and so the only time I could watch it was at my grandparents' house and watch it on ESPN. And mm-hmm. then I went a hiatus and not being able to see it. And then with the invention of YouTube. Um, I've been able to follow it very detailed for the last 10 years uh, and just keeping up with it. And the reason why I was really excited about being able to go to this one uh, this year's is because it is Brian Shaw's, it was Brian Shaw's last World's Strongest Man competition of his career. And he was, I've been a big fan of him for, for many years since early on in his career and uh, roughly about 2008. Uh, been a big fan, fan of him. And so t- to be there at his last event, to see him compete, uh, was a highlight for me very much. And I think it was a highlight for a lot of people because it, uh, <laughs> it, it, was, it was probably, I heard someone t- tell me that it was, it was the most people they've ever seen at a World's Strongest Man event. And I think most of them, I may be wrong, but I think most people that went was were there exactly the reason why I was to see Brian Shaw's last World's Strongest Man wow. event. But it, it was pretty cool. I got to see things that I've, I've saw, seen on TV that I've, I got to see in person for the first time. So it was awesome. Um, of course, Mitchell Hooper from Canada, uh, one who's actually yeah. one of my one of my favorites as well. And Another reason why I love the sport is is it's different from other sports. Um, all these guys who are competing against each other are all really knit, close knit, good friends, and there's a camaraderie and mm-hmm. among each other. And that's what's really neat about strongman. It's not like any other sport in that aspect. 
that yeah i i've watched a few strongman things over the years i've always found it intriguing because that competition makes much more sense to me than the mr universe one uh, <laughs> that's true for form muscle doesn't make sense to me as much as function muscle <laughs> so i've always i mean look we're guys we love chucking heavy things over there so it's fun to watch other guys who can chuck heavier things further than us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I get, yeah, strong man is a lot about functional strength, mm -hmm. uh, but it just takes it to the, to the extreme. Um, yeah. But it, it is a lot about functional strength, about picking heavy stuff, moving it from distance. Uh, the only things that are not necessarily functional strength are some of the static lifts, like a deadlift and Viking press, stuff like that. But the other things is a little bit more about functional strength. Yeah, I think the last video clip I saw of a strongman competition was they were doing was would you call it the Hercules hold? Yeah, Hercules hold. Yeah, they have two chains attached to these two pillars and you hold on to the grip and then they lower the pillars down so that you're basically stretched out completely and then you have to hold on to them and these pillars are massive. And you just hold on as long as you can, right? Yep. Mhm. Mm oh man. Who's the guy that, that has the world record for that? Uh, Mark Felix has the world record, and this was actually also his last world strongest man too, okay. um, of his career. I think I believe I believe he's fully retiring um, this okay. year, and uh, but he has held the record for so many years. In fact, when the record gets broken, it's him breaking his own record. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the clip I saw was him when he won because it was four guys doing the Hercules hold. And the other three looked like they were dying, like their faces were just contorting and they were doing like Lamaze breathing. And it was I mean, they looked like they were in excruciating pain. And he's just sitting there like, when's dinner? <laughs> <laughs> like, No big deal. <laughs> yeah, the, be the best way to test that is go to go to uh, if you if you're deadlifted or if, you, if not go to you can do it with a Smith machine, load it up with as much weight as you can and then pick it up and just hold it. See how long you can hold it. And you'll understand how painful it is for your for your hands, muscle in your hands, your forearms, you're mm. dying. So you get mm. you get a little picture of what it's like. Yeah, but I'm sure that those pillars were much more heavy. Oh yeah. Much uh, more heavy. I I can't imagine what those things actually weighed. Minimum probably eight hundred pounds each. Oh, each? Yep. Oh. <laughs> that ripped my arm out of my socket. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, that's awesome, man. You said you're out there for four days? Yeah, four days. Wow, that's that's crazy. Um, well, I was uh, on the other side of the country. You were in, what, South Carolina or something like that? Yeah, Myrtle Beach is when they had Myrtle it this Beach. year. Okay. Um, I was over in, uh, we flew into Denver, Colorado last week and then drove an hour and a half up to Estes Park, which if you know anything about that area, Denver, you can see the mountains. Estes Park, you're in them. <laughs> And uh, it, the YMCA has this massive property out there. Uh, it's really pretty. There were mule deer just wandering around the property. Uh, I think one of the guys said he got like 10 feet close, within 10 feet of, of one of them. Um, they just don't care. They're just walking around. This is our home. And um, But we were out there. My, my whole Word of Life team uh, went out there for the Gospel Advancing Summit with Dare to Share uh, for from Sunday through Wednesday of last week. And Oh man, I love doing youth ministry. It's the best. <laughs> uh, it, it was so inspiring and it was so encouraging. It was like, um, it was like a shot in the arm 
uh, to just, you know, uh, keep going and keep pushing to uh, point students to Jesus, uh, get them to point their friends to Jesus. And um, it was a really uh, it was a really good reminder of why we do what we do. Um, and I know you guys out there listening, um, you have days where you're like, why am I doing this? <laughs> I, I can't do anything right. <laughs> uh, and unless you're perfect. Uh, but I have those days, you know, where I'm working with teens or there's like a weird Sunday or Wednesday happens and, or an event goes weirdly. And you're just like, man, am I having any impact at all on these kids lives? Like, am I wasting my time? Am I making their lives worse? <laughs> Um, but at the end of the day, um, if you're, if you're pointing them to Christ and you're pointing them to point their friends to Christ, I think that you're, and then you're modeling it for them. I think that you're doing a great job. And that has to do with, uh, with what we're talking about today. Um, if you have never heard of it, uh, there's a book that, um, Brian and I have both read and, uh, well, actually, if you look at it, there might be a bookmark in it somewhere. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which means I've either read it once and started again, or I never actually finished it, but I'm pretty sure I finished this one. Um, it's called Gospelize Your Youth Ministry, and uh, it's written by Greg Steer. And uh, he just released a revised version with added gospel stories about um, how the Lord's been working in the lives of teenagers and um, just pointing them to Christ around the world. And um, the what we wanted to uh, just talk with you guys about today, especially as we kind of look at, you know, we're wrapping up a school year and getting ready to approach the summer. And actually, before we get into this, let me let me ask you this question, Ryan. Or have you ever been a part of a church that runs like hard youth ministry during the school year and then during the summer they just kind of take a break? Yes. Um How my, is that? <laughs> it, it it is uh it is, but again, one thing that and here's where it's a nuance. Youth ministry should never end, no matter if it's the mm-hmm. summer or not. It shouldn't end. You, you should. It's okay to change uh, based on the summer. But I, I kind of understand when it comes to summer for people traveling. It's a huge traveling uh, t- time period of the year. Right. So I totally understand that aspect of it. But there is, again, there's a lot of things that you have to fight with culture as well. Not saying it should stay this way. You should move it slowly, but sometimes when you get into a new ministry, especially when you're just there, haven't been there in this ministry long, this church long, um, there is a, again, it's all over the country, and it used to not be this way in the South, but it's it's seeping this way as well, to where it's just not important in the summer. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. for a lot of families, and, and so yep. they stop coming, and so that's the reason why don't... I would you don't stop youth ministry, but I do think you need to change if you're in like that kind of environment. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was in the vi- I was in a place where it's kind of like that, where uh, man, it was like pulling teeth to do anything in the summer. I tried doing I every year try something different, try something mm-hmm. different, <laughs> try something different. Um, so yeah, so I, I totally I totally understand. I totally get it. Yeah, so I think that what we're going to talk about today, I think, will help with that. Um, because this is more, um, it's not necessarily like just theoretical, but it it gives you a lot of why and, um, purpose behind what you do so that whatever actions you actually take in the youth ministry that you're a part of, uh, whether it's on a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, a Wednesday night, 
or uh, some special activity or event you're doing throughout the week, or even when you take kids to camp or on a missions trip, um, these things will permeate all of those because, well, look at that. Greg pulled him out of scripture. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so what we're going to be talking about today, and and I would highly encourage you, find the book, Gospelize Your Youth Ministry. It's got a a red hot chili pepper on the front of it. Um, It's not the red hot chili peppers. It's just, it's a jalapeno pepper, I guess. I don't know what it is. Anyway. It's a chili chili pepper. It's a chili pepper. Uh, It's spicy. Uh, but uh, the, the tagline on, on the original book was um, a spicy new philosophy that's 2,000 years old because he pulls this from Christ and he pulls it from the book of Acts especially. Um, and it's seven values of a gospel advancing ministry. And, and these are not values that like you need to go change your church's bylaws or you have to go um, etch them in stone and hang them behind the pulpit kind of thing. It's just these are things that if you want your ministry to advance the gospel, in your community, then these seven values need to be valued by the ministry because this is what the early church did in Acts. This is what Christ did when he was on earth. This is what the apostles did. This is what the disciples have done. This is what the church has done for the last 2000 years. Um, And so we want to do a, what do you call it? 3000 foot view of these seven things just to help you guys think through, you know, finishing them this year strong, um, hitting the summer with purpose and then preparing for the fall. Um, I know our fall is going to look different in our area because our school district just changed when school is starting. So the kids are getting a short summer this year, uh, which I'm sure they're not too happy about. Probably Um, not. But yeah, so here's the first one. Um, And I I like that Greg puts this one first um, because this is one of those things where uh, when you talk about it with uh, other Christian leaders, uh, you might hear the phrase, well, that goes without saying. Have you ever had someone say that goes without saying to you? Many times. And you're like, no, that needs to be said. (laughs) Um, So this is the first one. Intercessory prayer fuels it. If you want to have a gospel advancing ministry, then intercessory prayer needs to fuel it. Uh, You got to pray. And it does not go without saying. Um, How many times, Ryan, have you been in a youth ministry or let's just be honest, led a youth ministry and prayer as part of your ministry was your transition time? Yeah, I would say I say many many times, like especially early on when I was in ministry. Yeah. Um. Again, I was I was in my late late twenties when I first started full time full time ministry, and of course my way my my personality is extremely driven um, personality, and that's how kind of how I approach ministry. Uh. So yeah. So so for me, my biggest my biggest struggle personally has always been prayer. Um, I, mm-hmm. I am very naturally when it comes to spend time in God's word, uh, that comes very natural for me because I love, love to study, love to learn. What does mm-hmm. not come natural for me is prayer. It's something that I have to be very disciplined at. So I think, I think for, for, and I think that describes a lot of people, at least a lot of pastors I have talked to, uh, is kind of in the same boat as well with, in that respect. So that carry that carry overs into my ministry, and because mm-hmm. what if you're not going to do it, if you're not do, practicing it personally, you're not going to push it in your ministry. Uh, it's just just hands down; those two things are correlated together. Yeah, I mean, I was I was with a youth pastor friend of mine yesterday, um, reconnecting with him, and loved the guy to death, and forgot to pray with him <laughs> before I left. So I prayed for him on the way home. Um, but but the key behind uh, behind this 
value is that it's not just any old prayer, it's intercessory prayer. Um, it, it's the prayer where we are, um, the, the students and the leaders are praying for the Lord to change the hearts of those they are trying to reach for the gospel so that their friends uh, may be saved. Um, they're bringing the names of friends specifically to the Lord, uh, asking him for the power to uh, care and share the gospel with them, um, but also that these people would respond to the gospel. Because um, we can pray for a, a million things, and and some of our prayers need to be prayers of gratitude and recognition and worship and praise and awe of God um, and confession of sin. Um, but if you want to advance the gospel, you have to include and prioritize praying for the lost. Uh, that's that's kind of what we do is we reach the lost. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what Jesus came to do is to seek and save the lost, and so that's why intercessory prayer fuels it, and it's followed up very quickly by the second one, which is re relational evangelism drives it. Now, if you want to have a gospel advancing youth ministry, um, it's it's got to be relational evangelism. And look, um, it, there's there's a, a myriad of different ways to evangelize. There's lots of different tools out there. There's lots of different contexts and settings, um, but if we're looking at teenagers reaching their peers with the gospel, it's not going to look like them standing up in class and preaching a three-point sermon followed with an invitation while we sing just as I am in a public school classroom. That's <laughs> <laughs> Or even in the cafeteria. That's not going to happen. But they have friends at school. So if they regularly engage these friends with conversations around the gospel— that's happening because they already have an established relationship with these people. And if there's others that they don't have a relationship with, they're not going to just be able to walk up to a peer at school and start preaching the gospel at them. They need to build relationships with them because yeah, there's a place for street preaching. There's a place for, I mean, I don't really like it personally for the guy on the bullhorn so that more people can hear him. Uh, yeah, that's why you have it. So more people can hear you. Now, I'm pretty sure it's so you can shout over the guy you're in front of. Um, sorry, that was a little soapbox. Um, there's a place for street preaching and street evangelism. Uh, but for, for our context, we're talking about youth ministry here on a regular, ongoing basis. It's going to take place more through relational evangelism. And, and that's going to be what drives it. Yeah, you... Um... I like like the the passage for this for this reference point that uh, Greg and Dedder share kind of point to, and it's it's the it's the passage when of Apollos, uh, who and again it's, this is in Acts eighteen, who uh, basically was preaching Christ, but didn't, it says didn't know Christ's baptism. This is the passage where it talks about. So basically, he didn't fully understand the gospel. Um, yeah, didn't have the so, whole story. Yeah, so so and and you have Priscilla and Aquila, and they heard him, they they heard him, and they invited him in into their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. Mm -hmm. And so so, not, so we again, I'm, I'm glad they use that reference because when you because inviting someone in your home, especially in that culture, uh, at that time, was a very intimate uh, way of building relationships. It's and mm -hmm. to invite someone into your home to share a meal was the biggest form of intimacy among people in that culture. Uh, so basically, just kind of nuance that too is is when you're 
uh, in relational evangelism, it's not, it's actually getting in the nitty gritty of who the, of your of pe- of people's lives mm-hmm. and not just, can, this is where, can you talk about street evangelism? Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing I, 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 I don't enjoy, and I, I don't like street, street evangelism either. And that's another <laughs> conversation for another podcast. Um, but is I don't like my, what I coined popcorn evangelism, not okay. saying it's not, it's, it, there's a time and place for that. There, there is a time and place for that. But what I mean by popcorn evangelism is that there's no relationship there. So, so you, we are heard the stories when you get of pastors talking about or whatever, getting the plane and the person next, next to them and they don't even know who they are and they start sharing the faith and, mm-hmm. uh, which is not, again, it's not bad. Um, cause Captain the Holy Spirit, audience. yeah, the Holy Spirit can be, <laughs> yeah, the Holy Spirit can be leading in that way and you'd be obedient to that. But I don't think in the grand, in the grand scheme of, of sharing the gospel, uh, I don't think it's the best way, uh, building relationships, showing people that you care about them, that you love them, that you are interested in their or their junk and, and and who they are and, and what they're dealing with goes a long way uh, for the for earning the right to be heard yeah i um, i think what what i would say is nothing wrong with in fact i would encourage share the gospel with the guy on the plane next to you but if that's yeah. the only evangelism you engage in i think you're missing the point yeah yeah <laughs> yeah like, like i said but here's the thing too is 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 again, it's, it's your, it's your, God can use anybody's motivation. In fact, there's a part in scripture that kind of, that talks about this to this point. Philippians one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So God can use anybody's heart, even though it's selfish ambition mm-hmm. still for his glory. But I, th- I think not all the time, but you have to, you have to kind of check your heart when it comes to popcorn evangelism too. Are you doing it because the Holy Spirit is leading you to do this or, or are you doing it to make yourself feel good, to check off a box saying, I have done this? Or is the Holy Spirit really pushing you to share your faith with someone you don't know um, because mm. you actually care about that person that's next to you? You know, you know what I'm saying? It's all about motives. I think uh, yeah. sometimes I'm wondering. Are you doing Do you have a sermon illustration? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and again, that's, that sounds so bad when we, on the surface. It sounds so bad, but. It, it, from someone like me who I, I, I overanalyze things. Okay. So this yeah. is just the way I'm wired. I'm very analytical. And when I hear those stories and, and I, and I just send back on my, I'm like, I wonder if, if you're, are you being genuine in that moment mm-hmm. again, or is there ulterior motives behind that? I got to experience a very weird version of this on the way home from the gospel advancing summit. Um, I, I had, I struck up a conversation with the guy next to me on the plane and I, I tried to drive it to Christ and he responded positively. And I got to a point in the conversation where I realized he either is already saved or he thinks he's saved. Uh, (laughs) um, but I mean, he told me that him and his girlfriend were trying to find a new church to go to in the area. So, um, but I was overhearing my friend who's the, he's the missionary on the other half of Virginia for word of life. Um, I overheard him having a conversation with the girl across the aisle uh, and they talked almost the whole plane ride. And then when we landed, we, I get this text to our whole group, the five of us on the team. 
from him saying, hey, I've had this great conversation with this young lady across the aisle from me, um, and she's agreed to allow the five of us to pray for her as she goes home to Texas because it was a connection flight for her. I think it was Texas. Um, and as she's been pursuing the Lord and her relationship with him and growing in Christ and her relationship with her boyfriend and trying to be a godly couple. And we had a chance to pray with her before she went to her connection flight. She had the time. And it was really cool because I got to watch somebody who had a genuine conversation with somebody who actually cared and wasn't just trying to put a notch in his belt. And it ended up having a positive uh, result in someone who was probably already saved, um, but had their faith encouraged um, through someone putting effort into the three hours we had in the air instead of just plugging in and watching whatever was available on the screen in front of them. So, I mean, but what he did was he, he worked through building up a relationship with this person by asking her questions about her life, about sharing things about his life, um, uh, talking about each other's families. And there was a relationship that was built there instead of just like, you need Jesus, you need Jesus, you need Jesus. <laughs> Evangelism <laughs> is not running up to an unsaved person and smacking them in the back of the head with your King James Bible. That's not going to work. The reason why I'm laughing because there are instances where that's actually happened. <laughs> they put it into a movie. Do you remember that like Bible camp movie or something like that? Yes. yes that yes. girl threw the Bible at her friend and was like, you need Jesus. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's not how it works. Relational evangelism works. Like you put, po- you pointed out Priscilla and Aquila pulling aside Apollos. Cause he, he, he only, could you imagine knowing about Jesus, but only knowing up to the baptism of John and that's it. Like you missed all the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like what? So, uh, but it worked because later in chapter 18, we find out that Apollos goes over to Achaia and he is, uh, I love how he put the scripture puts this, vigorously refuting Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it works. Um, and that's why the third value, if you want to have a gospel advancing ministry, is that leaders fully embrace and model it. Priscilla and Aquila embraced and modeled it uh, with Apollos. We look, you, you've heard this before. Um, you've probably said this before, Ryan. Uh, you can't lead people somewhere you've never been. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if you want, if you expect your teenagers to do it, then you need to be doing it. If you're at the front of your group preaching, you need to share the gospel with unsafe people. Well, guess what we need to be doing? Sharing the gospel with unsafe people. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cause I, I, Man, you you lead by example. Mm-hmm. You lead by example, and and man, it's 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 such a simple truth uh, that is so not practice mm-hmm. uh, in ministry. And again, I I've had I'm not perfect. I struggle with this too, and David, I'm sure you do too <gasps> as well, because uh, we're not perfect. We struggle with it, but I do understand that I have to evaluate myself. And again, when we talk about prayer or earlier, um, if I'm not modeling prayer, if I am not, uh, if I'm not spending time in God's word myself and developing my own relationship with Christ and, 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 and practicing and, and doing what uh, Romans uh, 12, 1 through 2 talks about, tra- uh, renewal of your mind, you're being transformed by the renewal of your mind. 
by spending time in God's word, if I'm not doing that, if I'm not practicing that, if I'm not spending time with God in prayer and intercessory prayer, I cannot expect me to my leaders to do this. Mm -hmm. I can't expect my students to do this. I can't expect my my parents to be doing this with their with their kids mm -hmm. if I'm not leading. Because the fact because the fact is is that uh, if you have the title, again, there's someone be you listening. You probably don't have this title. You might have a title of director, but it still applies to you. Mm -hmm. But if you but especially if you have the title as a pastor. Okay, if you are a pastor, you are a shepherd, mm -hmm. you're an elder, you're an overseer. Uh, now, the, that may not be in the same context as grand context as a senior leader or, uh, but, or a lead pastor, but your flock is your families in your ministry, which includes mm -hmm. your students and parents. And on top of that, your leaders. They're all part of your flock that you're you're shepherding, you're leading, but in order for you to shepherd, you have to be able to lead. And how you lead mm -hmm. is you have to be the one doing it yourself, practicing and living it out in your own life in order for you to lead other people. Yeah, I think this principle is really well put in Remember the Titans. You remember that movie? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's such a good movie. There's a point during the camp where um the two uh, the the guy the characters Gary and I don't remember who the other guy is um it's it's the it's the black guy and the white guy that are the leaders of their football groups and they're yeah. go, they're always going head to head um one of them calls uh the white guy calls out um the black guy for his attitude um and he just looks at him and he goes attitude reflect leadership <laughs> I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> he got him because that's really what it is. If you want your kids to have an attitude of gospel sharing, then you need to have the same attitude. They're going yep. to reflect you whether you like it or not. And if they're not reflecting you, maybe you don't, you're not doing what you think you're doing. Uh, uh, absolutely. It's it's worth an internal look because um, – Strategy or not strategy, but value number four of uh, a gospel advancing ministry is a disciple multiplication strategy guides it. Uh, and this is something where you've probably heard this, I don't know, a million times when it talks about making disciples is multiplication versus addition. Um, yep. and, and, it, and it really, for me, this boils down to 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Um, you want to take what you've learned and heard in the sight of many witnesses, as Paul said to Timothy, and teach it to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You're making disciples who can make disciples. If you are, and I've heard this said a million times, if you are making disciples who are not then going and making disciples, then you have not made a disciple. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you have to make a disciple that is reproducible. And let's face it, it's not really you that's making the disciple. Uh, because if you're make if you're the one making a disciple, then you're making it a disciple of yourself and not a disciple of Christ. Um, and it and and then you're not living out when Paul says to follow my example as I follow Christ. Well, I've clarified that one to my students before. Um, if I'm not following Christ, don't follow that part. <laughs> follow me as I follow Christ. And 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 we can't multiply disciples if one we're not living it which is why that was principle number three 
Um, but two, if we're not investing in people on a, on a basis and on a at an intensity level that allows them to go turn around and take that to the next person um, behind yeah. them. Yeah, this is a point. Uh, all, all of these are important, but he, this is a point that hits home for me. Uh, in, in this sense, is that, and again, we've talked about this a lot up on the podcast how, how youth ministry has evolved and evolved in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, has started out very much a silo mentality. Uh, you go to youth group, uh, you do this, but it was very much the norm, I should say. Uh, of youth ministry was very much on the uh, let's have a pizza party, have fun, food, games, uh, and quite frankly, a shallow message. Mm. Uh, and we're growing out of that, which is which is phenomenal to see. And, and I, I think part of it is, is is we're just becoming more educated and understanding that we're losing a gener- generations. Mm-hmm. We're literally losing generations um, every year, and it's getting worse every year. And so we're seeing a transition out of that. But I don't, for at least for me, and again, I can't, I can't sit here and put a specific statistic or research, even though there is some that kind of hint this, that discipleship as a whole was extremely lacking in youth ministry. And I think to, and I think it's getting better. I really do think it's getting better. I'm seeing I'm seeing changes in uh, way pastors are thinking and uh, way ministry organizations are starting to think now, uh, which is awesome to see. But the multiplication side of it um, has again has been lacking because we we've been more focused about addition. You talked about addition earlier, uh, more focused about growing a youth ministry, uh, which is not necessarily bad on the surface. Uh, but when your focus is to grow numerically, uh, sometimes you don't focus on multiplication as much as you do anything. Addition, mm-hmm. multiplication, you look at everything. You try to, and so in other words, um, you, you start compromising. Mm-hmm. It, you start with compromising discipleship, compromising, talking about hard things and to the sense of growing numbers and keeping numbers. And you can also fall prey to the mentality of i have to do this all myself yeah and that that i think is what will be the biggest barrier between addition versus multiplication i mean paul when he writes to the thessalonian church in first thessalonians um he says you became imitators of us because you welcome the message and then you became a model to all the believers in macedonia and achaia and your faith in god has become known everywhere he didn't say my faith has become known everywhere he said your faith um, he's letting them know that they took what they got from him and then they spread the same thing and it has increased the believers and their faith has become known to the point where his next sentence is, therefore, we don't need to say anything about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> other people think- went out and shared with other people who went out and shared with other people. It wasn't just Paul sharing it with everybody. Yeah. That, that kind of, one last thing with this as well, and this is actually, um, a point that Greg Steer actually wrote an article on um, for Christianity Today uh, that was a great point that kind of is interconnected with this as well, is that you can never get rid of student ministry, okay, youth ministry. can never get rid of it because our culture almost demands it uh, because we have such a broken family structure uh, in our, in our cult- culture today. But with that being said, 
uh, with that being said, um, he goes into this is that how much time and energy do we spend on apathetic kids and apathetic families that could possibly be believers in Christ? If they are, they're extremely immature and really don't want to have anything to do with God. Even though they come to church, they really don't want to grow in their faith. They have no desire to do that. And we spend so much energy, quite frankly, trying to get these kids and families up to up to par, per se. Yeah. Uh, but in reality, what happened if we switched that? What if we, what happened if we we spent all of our time and energy on kids and families who have a deep desire to grow to grow in their faith? a deep desire to know, have a relationship with God and grow that relationship. Why have we spent time really pouring into them to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples? You know what that sounds um, like, Ryan? It sounds like the fifth value. <laughs> a bold vision focuses it. <laughs> yes. You, you got to have a bold vision. You don't want, you, the goal is not to make good church people. The goal is to seek and save the lost and and to change lives for eternity. And you don't do that by getting people to become acceptable church members. Yeah. And you, and you, and, 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 but yeah, with that, when it comes to bold vision focusing, it's, it's okay. We're, we're called to make disciples. That is our calling. Uh, Matthew, Matthew 28. That's the, that's the, our calling as believers of Christ is to make disciples. The first step in that process is sharing your faith so people can hear the gospel to make other disciples. That's the first step of making disciples. I, th- I think that we have in our culture, I don't know if it's American culture, Western culture, I don't know what it is, but I don't know when this happened in, in church culture that we ended up separating the two. In other words, we see mm-hmm. evangelism, so we're sharing your faith mm-hmm. as something separate and making disciples. And that's the reason why we, this conversation yeah. that we, we talk about and I hear from pastors, even church goers, is, man, they're too focused on, on evangelism, not enough on discipleship. I'm like, yeah, I get what you're we, saying. I understand what you're focused, saying. They're too focused on step one of discipleship? <laughs> yeah, but it's like they're both <laughs> discipleship. <laughs> it's, just, it's just they're interconnected, intertwined. Um, and so, yeah, so when it comes to a, a bold vision focuses it, it uh, we need, we need to understand that it's all about discipleship and, but sharing your faith is a part of it, but it's all about making disciples that make disciples that make disciples. Yeah. So what's the bold vision? Well, we're youth ministry guys, right? We're talking to youth ministry people, right? What's the bold vision? Well, there's 1 billion of them out there. Let's go get them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's what we're doing. There's there's 1 billion teenagers on the planet. Uh there's our task. Let's get yeah, it. Yeah, and, and I think you I could think you can, you can even do it at a, at a that's like a macro. Vision. Yeah, that is you, definitely you, macro. Oh, uh, you can even look at a, at a at a micro setting and say, look at think think about how many how many can we how many uh teenagers you can find this information online. How many teenagers are in your community? Okay? Mhm. How many teenagers in in your community? How many churches are there? Okay, so think about how many churches are there roughly. Say, let's say, and fifteen 
15 to 50 teens at, at each church. So let's say 50. So you times up by 50, you're still a fraction, a fraction of the amount of students that are in your community. So that's why you need to pray. Get a, no, that's why you need to be, understand that it needs to be your vision of reaching your community and with the teenagers, with the gospel, but not with you as individual doing it. Are you trying to get people to say, come here and come see? Because come see mentality, come to my doors and my ministry on a Sunday or Wednesday, but have a, a let's go mentality of tra- training your students to share their faith with their peers. That all this needs to be encompassing of your vision and be very focused. And uh, one thing that uh, I think that will help us to kind of get our minds wrapped around this um, is, is when it comes to this bold vision, um, and this is going to be something that may sound counterintuitive, but you've probably heard it before, is I think it would be wise to focus, um, and I'll, I'll explain, but you focus on the few um, because and you've said this already, a lot of ministries, a lot of guys, we focus on getting butts and seats. We want to grow our numbers. We want to have more teens come. We want to have more people there. Um, but is it just people showing up and sitting and, and watching, or is it people actively participating in discipleship? Because if you, by yourself, if you try to reach um, what, well, let me ask you this, Ryan, what do you think would be Let's go bold here. What would be a bold number of people you would try to disciple, um, just you, in a, in a year's time? Okay, disciple disciple effectively. Um, I would say five. Five. Okay. So if you did five a year, that would be five this year, uh, five next year, five the next year five the next year, five the next year, right? So that five years, you've got 25 people you've discipled, right? Yeah. If you've done it. I mean, whatever that definition of discipleship is for you, um, you're doing it all by yourself. Now, if you focused on just three um, and discipled them to the point where they were actually reproducing um, and and you were giving them the tools and and the vision and the and emboldening them and empowering them to go out and find three themselves, then by year three, you'd pass the number of guys you reached just by yourself by year five. You'd, you'd hit three this year, nine the next year, 27 the next year, 81 the next year, 243 the year after that. That's the same number of years that it would take you to do it by yourself with 25 people. Yep. That is a massive difference. And, and I know that we can manipulate the numbers however we want, but the point is wh- when we're when we're working on discipling people, it's not trying to get everybody in the room together as many people as we can on one night a week. This It's an ongoing lifestyle of discipleship multiplication, and it's not going to happen if you just throw out this massive net and keep trying to rake in as many people as possible. It's going to happen when you focus on the few that you, I mean, you kind of already said this, the ones that actually want to be there, the ones that actually want to learn, the ones that want to grow, the ones that want to reproduce this multi, this discipleship multiplication, because they're going to be the ones that go out and do it themselves as well. Um, 
there was a kid at uh, uh, at the conference that uh, we didn't know he was there, but the guy got up and started sharing about this young man that he was discipling. And this kid has started discipling his friends. And then he brings this kid up on stage. He's like this 17 year old high schooler. And he's there at the conference, found out that he's discipling a different friend during lunch every day of the week. And then on Thursdays, it's like a group of them. Um, that he is, they're doing Bible study and and they're sharing their faith and trying to, he's trying to multiply disciples now. Can you imagine how many disciples the Lord would allow you to work on starting at 17 years old <laughs> by the time you're 80? I mean, that would be absolutely incredible. And that's why value number six is that biblical outcomes measure it. Um, because the the standard mantra that we kind of rail against is that um, we don't want our ministries to be all about butts and seats and nickels and plates. Because if our mm-hmm. ministry is about butts and seats and nickels and plates, then we've missed the problem. We've missed it. Um, the and there's been so many conversations about well, what metrics should you use to figure out if your church is growing? Should we use quantitative? Should we use qualitative? Um, should we be looking at number of butts and seats? Should we be looking at number of baptisms that we're doing? Should we look at the tithing? Should we look at well, how about this? Who in your ministry is sharing the gospel? Who in your ministry is actually going out there and having a gospel conversation with an unsaved person? Ask that question. What percentage of your teenagers are actually actively sharing their faith with their peers? What percentage of your youth group became Christians as a result of your teenagers' outreach efforts? Have you been growing because you're stealing sheep or because you're saving people from hell? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and again, go back to the point, it's a very, it's a very hard metric to measure. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's a metric that should be highly important in ministry. Mm-hmm. See, and Greg says this right in the book. It's not about numbers. It's not just about numbers. It's about the right numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, I if I have a 25 kid youth group, cool. If one kid in that youth group is sharing his faith, I don't think I'm doing it right. <laughs> yeah. If I can get if I can get three kids in that youth group to start sharing their faith regularly, it'll ripple effect through the rest of the group. Of yeah. a 25 kid youth group, if I get three of them to start sharing their faith on a regular basis, humbly, accurately, I think that would have ripple effects on the rest of the group. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And it goes back to right the point. You need to also lead by example. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of how they, they're all wrapped up together. <laughs> uh, and that and that one leads us to our last one, which is um, the value seven, the ongoing programs reflect it. And this is something where when when you go through and you look at all seven of these values um and you get to this last one i mean what are what are you doing like physically when you get together whether it's on a sunday morning for sunday school sunday night wednesday night special activities ministry outreach events like when you plan to do a thing why are you doing it and how is it advancing the gospel um and and that's really what this is is all wrapped up in so Hopefully, uh, and we're not going to hash that one out because that, I mean, we can't tell you what to do. Your ongoing programs are yours. They're not ours. Um, but filter all of that through what you're doing. Are you programming prayer and more than just transition? Are you modeling it? You know, are you 
Are you having part of your youth ministry program, whatever that looks like, is part of that intentional planned time to send kids out to share their faith or to train them how to do it so they can do it at school? Are your leaders modeling it? I mean, there's all of this stuff is wrapped up in what you're doing in an ongoing basis for reaching your teens and their families and their parents. Are you equipping the moms and the dads um, to train their kids at home and have these conversations at home? So there's a lot of this that's wrapped up into it. So hopefully these seven values are things that uh, will get you thinking. Um, there's an assessment. You can go to Dare to Share's website and you know check to see if your youth group is actually doing any of these things. <laughs> um, but uh, hopefully this is an encouragement to you guys to just have a serious consideration about um, what you're doing with your youth ministry. Is it is it is it pizza and ping pong or is it big fun or is this uh, advancing the gospel tip of the spear front lines fighting off the devil for the souls of the lost? Um, and uh, if you want to talk about it, uh, feel free to contact me and Ryan. Uh, we're on Facebook and uh, Youth Culture Facebook group. So it's not just a page. We have the page, but there's also a group where you can get in and you can have conversations with other youth workers and us. Uh, we will respond. You can also DM us on Facebook and Instagram. We're on there as well, the Youth and Culture page. And um, and we are we appreciate you guys. Uh, we, we really appreciate you guys being patient with us when we have to take a week off because ministry happens, <laughs> life happens. And uh, if you haven't yet, uh, we'd love it if you would uh, take a moment to leave a comment or star review. This allows us to get our content out to more youth workers uh, that we're looking to help out there. And it also keeps our podcast near the top of the search results so people can uh, hear what's new, what's been coming out. So, And if there's a topic you want us to cover or if there's one of these seven values you want us to go deeper on, uh, we'd love to hear from you as well. Also, Greg Steer has his own podcast as well about gospel advancement, so check him out too. Well, guys... Stay tuned for our next episode.